Welcome to the Six Levers Podcast, where we talk about simple tools for healthy teams. I'm your host, Josh Aranda. Let's go. I think what has happened is the wider my beard gets, the shorter I need to keep it. <laughs> what I realized, like it, it's like it looks long really quick with as white as it has become. <laughs> That's yeah. great. That may be true because it does seem longer than normal. Yeah. So I could just do what y'all do, the the clean y'all clean shave and just have a five o'clock shadow, is that man I just use like a hair trimmer. I've been I've been clean clean shaven for almost since I started at MMG. Like every other day. I don't Oh really? Yeah. You have like a nice beard too. This is a third day. (laughs) third day scenario here lazy this morning my uh my dad started growing facial hair maybe a year ago or something not even (laughs) and he has like kind of like (laughs) you know like a mustache and like like more of like a, a full beard and anyways it's pretty much all gray and for some reason as soon as my dad started growing like the full facial hair my kids refer him Everybody calls him Papa, but now they call him Old Papa. <laughs> and so they, whenever they ask to talk to my dad, they're like, How, let me talk to Old Papa. And I tell my dad that. And he's like, are you kidding me? This is brutal. So anyways, careful, Sean. Your your kids are going to call you Old Daddy. <laughs> I know. Um, well, yeah. They already think I'm pretty old. So <laughs> uh, That's great. All right. Well, shall we dive in? Um, so the topic for today is really all about focus and I'm just going to recap the levers of the six levers framework and kind of zero us in on uh, the key topic for today. So we have identity, focus, cohesion, leadership, rhythm, and momentum. And so all these levers together, um, pulling them at different increments, it helps us bring overall organizational health. The one that we're zeroing in today is really focus. So love to kind of kick it over to Joe or Sean, just if you could define focus, why is it important? What does it mean for an organization? Yeah, Josh, maybe I start with a little story. I love, um, I love grounding these levers in success stories. I think oftentimes we, we actually like go to the non-examples and think about all the moments where the lever wasn't true. Um, but one of the like uh, the time maybe the the first time where I saw the focus lever at its finest and and in a really in a in a place of strength was um, back when I was an aspiring school principal. So for the decade before MMG, I was a teacher and, and a principal, and I was part of a, a a network of schools that had just some great leadership development opportunities, and so I got a, I got a chance to be a part of a fellowship where we got to go on a handful of excellent school visits, um, what we called them. And I'll never forget going on one visit where um, I was with a handful of other leaders and got to go on a tour of the school um, by the principal. And the principal started off sharing, um, you know, context about the school's story and why it existed, all super inspiring um, information. And you know, got us excited about what we were about to see and just got us, you know, interested in, in the school. 
Um, but it was the way he described the school's focus for the year that left this like lasting impression. Um, and it may have been because it was so unexpected, you know, as we're going on this visit and going through classrooms, he sort of transitions from talking about story and mission to, and so our focus for the year is, and then he rattles off these sort of three super meaningful and yet succinct focus areas for the year. Um, it sort of stopped me in my tracks because I thought like, I've never heard anything like this. Like you can, <laughs> you don't have to focus on all of the subjects in every grade, every quarter, you know, and parents and families and all of these other things. Um, and so it just left me feeling uh, a little jealous because that was not my experience at the school I was at at the time or any school that I had been at prior to. Um, but yeah, inspired about the idea that focus can have this this impact, even on people who aren't a part of the, the organization, um, that makes it feel like we can do this, right? It almost it, it provides some clarity, some hope, um, and, and ultimately some focus on what you're trying to achieve uh, and prioritize in, in a given time. So, you know, I think over the years, of, we've worked with so many different organizations and far too often the the opposite is actually true right where leaders stumble through describing that focus and so that that story at that school um, in Philadelphia just will will always rest with me and, and and serves a lot of times as sort of the the foundation for how we think about um, what it can feel like to have a high level focus inside your team yeah. Joe I, lo- I love that story um... Because I think, you know, like you mentioned, we've, I think our experience and really the reason that we included focus as one of the six levers is because it just so often doesn't, what you just described, like just is so often not the case, right? When, when, when you ask leaders like, hey, what's your focus for the year or in general, just like, what's your focus like that? Like you said, there's a real struggle to, to really isolate to the handful of things, goals, targets that really matter. And I think, you know, it's interesting to kind of talk this out maybe in a different way. Well, why is that? And especially in like the, the mission driven for the mission driven leader. And I think I, I wonder if it's because because we're so committed to doing this such important work that we often like don't let ourselves say no to things. Right. Like if I say, but but it's so important. I'm like that thing is going to potentially have this impact. If I say no to it, am I like, am I not as committed to the work or the mission by saying no to it? And, and so, you know, what we've, what we've seen, however, is though like the actual, the inverse from an achievement perspective actually takes place when you say no to more things. So it's like this very strange relationship where we're unwilling to say no, because we think we're not going to achieve something. And yet when we do say no, and we, and we do bring a handful of things into focus, we end up achieving greater results and we end up achieving greater collaboration as a team because we we know the things that we need to work on together yeah it reminds me of just like the you know because everything matters nothing actually matters right it's like Mm -hmm. we focus on too many things and as a result we can't focus on on really anything at all and so just that yeah that that i think that what's also lost on on um on leaders is just the the impact that creating focus has on your team, right? Like, let's just forget about mission for a moment. 
we are all here for that reason, right? That's why we're all here. And so that's an assumption that we can, we can hold strong while we go through the process of saying, and now what are we going to actually bring focus to for the year? And when we get to that place of meaning, we haven't lost sight of the mission and all the work that we want to do. We've just said for this horizon or this time period, here's what we're going to place focused energy on and really try to grow and, and make progress around. Um, yeah, a couple of things stand out. Joe, when you said you were jealous of it, it, it like struck a chord because when you see focus and the discipline to go after that focus, you want it right I, Like the thing that came to mind is I got to play soccer with uh, Tim Ream, who was on the national team for the world cup. And the dude was so focused on soccer. Like, <laughs> you know, he knew what he was going to do. He was the most disciplined about recovery, about preparation, about practicing outside. And he played on the world cup national team. Right. And that's, I think, a really cool thing. But I always like admired his discipline and focus around soccer. You know, I was in college and I had a lot of fun, but I didn't focus on soccer as much. I didn't focus on school as much either. But um, it was a great experience. But uh, it is it is amazing when you see that focus You're You're just like, wow, that that sticks with you. And it doesn't uh, leave very quickly. Just hearing you say that, it makes me think about when when those moments happen, I think a lot of times we we create these excuses in our head about why they have focus, but we don't, right? Their situation's different. They don't have as much to worry about. They don't have the turnover we have or, you know, these emergency issues going on. What was so powerful for me was I was literally sitting in a five through eight middle school, which was also the place that, that, that was also my work setting, serving a similar number of students, right? In a similar context. And so the context was, I, for you know, all intents and purposes, was identical. And so there was no excuse for me to say, well, but their situation is different, right? They had just mm -hmm. decided we are going to have focus inside of our culture and, and we believe in the power of that. Um, so it's possible. You just got to commit to it. <laughs> so Commitments, one piece, but what are what are other contributing factors for organizations not creating focus? Like what you know, if you had to boil it down to the top two or three reasons why an organization doesn't actually create a focus that they stick to, that they align their organization around, what, what are some of those things that manifest themselves in mission-driven organizations? Yeah, I can start here. I think one of them is a lack of clarity in their what their identity is. And so, you know, when we say identity in the framework, it's, you know, pretty broad context, right? It, it means more than just mission values, but there's all these other components tied to it. And when teams um, have, have done the work to, to align on what those key things are, then they can tether to those things with their focus, right? They can say, like, if this is true about the unique way we accomplish our mission, if these, if we've agreed to these vitals, like the way we measure success and sustainability and achieving our mission in a measurable way. Um, now we're looking to whatever the next period of time is that we're entering into the next three years, the next one year. And we're asking ourselves, like, if this identity truly is, and it, it is, right, this is, this is who we are, this is what we've said matters, is the foundation of, of why we are here. Um, what do we want to do to, to, to move that forward, to, to, to honor 
that unique way of accomplishing our mission and moving those those key measurables forward. Like what are the what are the things we're going to do in the next in the next uh, year or three years, whatever it might be. In a world where that's not as clear, an organization just has a mission, maybe a handful of values. They're sort of like so, you know, it's like you do whatever, like you do anything related to like let's say whatever social impact area it is that you're you're focusing on. And so you've taken the time to like really get clear on that unique part of the way that you you have an impact. There's so much that is at your fingertips to go achieve. And so I think what we see a lot of times is um, even when they do pick, organizations do pick things to focus on, they can quick, quickly move to something else because they're not quite sure what they should be tethering it to. Yeah, I think that's a great one, Sean. I think the, the two others that come to mind for me are, one, it's hard. This is not an easy mm-hmm. thing to do to actually define meaningful and measurable goals and have the courage to stand behind them and commit to them. Because when you do that, you inherently deprioritize other things, which people may not agree with. Um, and generally speaking, you just may be, you and your team, hopefully you're setting these with your team, you may in the end feel like it was the wrong focus. Um, and so I'd say it's difficult and it takes practice. And I think when you, when we really get into the process with teams, they start to feel that. Um, and, and, and so helping teams to, to understand that that's normal, that it takes practice and that if you've gone through cycles of it, you start to build some muscle memory around how to do it well, how to, you know, bring in lessons learned from the previous time you did it, um, and you start to realize that when things change throughout the course of the year and when you're monitoring your goals with discipline, it's okay to make meaningful revision to them and communicate that back out to your team, right? So the goal is not to create perfect focus or perfect goals. It's to create goals that are going to bring focus and be meaningful um, and know that, that they can adjust. Uh, I think the other thing too is that we've... Uh, we have a lot of bad experiences around goal setting, meaning Hmm. we've been in processes where we've set goals and then never came back to monitor them. We've been in processes where we've set goals, we've monitored them for a quarter, but by the end of the year, we forgot what they were. And so just put yourself in the shoes of that team the next year when it's annual goal setting time, you're, you're like, why? We don't monitor these. They don't end up having the impact that we want them to, which is to keep the team focused and driving towards, you know, some common goals. So we have these, some of these bad experiences uh, from the past that we we're not exactly sure how to overcome them. Uh, and so we sort of turn our, turn our head away from it a little bit and think that's just, that's not a part of, of our operating routine. Hmm. It's good. Uh, personal experiences coming to mind when you said that, Joe. So we leverage a goal setting framework called Objectives and Key Results. And we rolled it out within Mission Matters Group, I think early 2018. Um, we needed to create some focus. We had some hiccups throughout 2017. And the first year we set them, <laughs> we set some really ambitious key results that were not like methodically determined. They were like pie in the sky and optimistic, but not realistic whatsoever. 
And I think when we shared it from a leadership team perspective, everyone's just like, well, this is not realistic. And so it demotivated the organization. And so I spent the next three years or two years and really until <laughs> Joe and Sean helped codify things from a from a goal setting framework within Mission Matters group. But it's like, man, you can also do some damage that I think um, kind of amplifies what you're saying, Joe. It's like, OK, if we're not actually doing this with a really high degree of mental discipline and saying what is realistic, we end up tarnishing the whole goal setting process so that each subsequent year, even if we get a little bit better, it's still hard to adopt because of that first or few negative experiences. Doesn't mean you shouldn't start. And even if it is lofty, you're still setting goals and you're tracking to it. But just knowing some of those pitfalls that go into it, and I'm you know, speaking from experience, it took a good two years to undo some of the unrealistic goals that we set in the beginning of the, uh, of the framework. Yeah. Josh, one thing yeah, just to jump in here, I think um, you, I appreciate you giving me and Joe a shout out. I don't know that we really had anything to do with the, the improvement of the goals as much as I would just say, you just, we just got better because we kept at it. And in many ways, like, like it, it's gotten better every year um, be, because of the learning that's taken place. Like we even commented as a team this year, like, gosh, like we thought we had gotten as, you know, maybe as good as we could have got as a, as a group that teaches this to organizations every day. And yet here we are doing this to ourselves and setting our goals for the year. And these feel even better than they've ever been. Right. And so it, there's just the, I think the learning and the doing here is what I'm trying to emphasize. And I think Joe, back to your point about it being hard. The thing that I thought of when you said that is it's hard to prioritize, right? We're talking about goals are hard, but what we're talking about with focus is prioritization. All right. So picking stuff and saying, like you, like you said earlier, Joe, I'm not going to do this. I think that's oftentimes why we end up, you see these things that are like these balanced scorecards that are so huge like then kind of include everything under the sun because, and I've, and I've been that leader. I'm not, I'm not trying to, if you're that leader, it's okay. Like I've been, I've been that leader. And then what I thought of at the time was, well, I can't leave anything out, right? Everything mm -hmm. matters. Everything's important. And kind of back what we were starting before. And so we end up with these monster multi-tab spreadsheets that have, you know, 38 rows on each one. And again, like, well, what am I supposed to be focusing on here? Like, right. Which of, which of these, truly matter. And I think the hard part is getting into the practice of picking a handful of things that matter for a certain time period of time and being okay with the idea that it's, you're, you're, it's not going to be where you want it to be, but you're going to learn, you're going to get into it. And if you, if you monitor them with some quarterly, you know, rhythms and uh, bring that into, you know, your more near term weekly or biweekly, you're going to make adjustments. You're going to, the next time you do it, it's just increasingly going to get better. It's good. I'm going to give you guys a shout out again, because I think it's it was a great learning for me personally last week. But um, so we practice what we preach and we had a six levers planning day last week. So we're determining our Q2 priorities. What's the most essential things? Let's look back at Q1. What did we learn? What do we need to adjust? And what is the most meaningful focus going into Q2 that would help us achieve our annual targets? So anyways, um, Sean had done some prep work and, you know, had some ideas up on the board and then we built onto it and we had about 12 priorities that we had up on this, you know, Google sheet. And then Sean started facilitating a conversation. We had a dialogue, we highlighted seven, and then finally we distilled it down to like four. 
And had all 12 stayed up there, which again, the temptation is to do it because everything up there looked super, super important and exciting. But then all of a sudden you feel this great degree of overwhelm and you feel like you're already behind before the quarter even starts. And then all of a sudden, Sean hiding rows, not necessarily saying we can't do this, just not now, hiding the rows in a Google sheet gave a sense of hope that you're going to achieve the stuff that you set out to do. And it's really, really important. So that like overcoming overwhelm and giving yourself permission to focus and say not now to other things is like a breath of fresh air and you're stoked mm -hmm. to go into the next, you know, the next quarter. Yeah. So it was really impressive. <laughs> Josh, it reminds me of a thing, and I don't know if y'all relate to this, but I felt a tension in the, the, the mission driven organizations that I worked for of, of like, there was some, sometimes attention against like achievement and, and not like personal achievement, but like setting goals and hitting them. And I, I, there was like this almost at times a fear to measure something and, and put a number to something that I think it was tied to this idea of like the, the, this work we're doing is so human change centered and we're talking about human beings and, and, you know, their, their, their dramatic change in their life and trying to move them from whether it's, you know, homelessness to, to having a home or, you know, out of incarceration or, or parents that are, don't have childcare and are trying to find it or, you know, whatever it might be. But I think the truth is, is like as human beings, like we all like to achieve things, right? Like regardless of the work that we choose, like there's something innate to say, like we, we set a target, we set a goal and we made some progress towards it. Like even if we didn't fully achieve, at least we could measure some progress towards it and be aligned. Sometimes I think that there's, um, we, I would argue, I don't know if Josh and Joe will be aligned with me, but I would argue that we need to be even more achievement oriented in mission driven work because the stakes are even higher than if we were like in a warehouse making widgets. Right. But, um, anyway, I, I, this is a tension yeah, I felt. I don't know if y'all felt yeah. it at times or maybe could help me understand what it's about. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, I think one thing, Sean, that that makes me think of is, you know, I think the organ, the, the social profit mission driven orgs, what they, what, what those who get good at creating focus also get good at is being comfortable with the hypothesis of if we do this, if we achieve this, our hypothesis is that it's going to impact mm. our clients in some way. We might not be able to measure that with, you know, true program evaluation, research-based type evaluation, but we feel based on all of our collective experience that you know, achieving a certain goal that maybe is more measurable is going to impact our clients in, in some sort of positive way. And I think when you start to embrace the fact that because we can't measure this, that doesn't mean we shouldn't get quantitative or goal oriented about anything. Let's get as close to that end outcome that we want to get and be comfortable with these hypotheses that we make, you know, um, and, yeah. and go after them, you know, and, and make that, make that our goal orientation. And, you know, I think we've talked about this before that when you do that with rigor regularly, you know, sort of year over year, you do get closer to understanding what inputs and outputs actually drive the outcomes that, that a team is, is going after. Um, you get better at understanding that and, and really evolve your, your ability to measure with more, maybe more precision, the impact that you're, you're making.
I think it I think it touches on um, also that kind of like downward spiral or that feedback loop where you have negative experiences with goal setting and what does that do to diminish how important it is to be results oriented when we're in this mission driven space. Um, I think the other thing it made me think of, Sean, is you talk a lot about focus being valuable to the degree it brings meaningful focus for your team. And so if someone has a resistance to goal setting or being results oriented, it seems like that that focus isn't being tied to the work that they're doing, right? It's not helping an individual, a human being, understand how the work that they do on a daily basis is impacting a life, is impacting the environment, is impacting the initiative. So meaningful focus, and that word is used intentionally, we have to tie our goals as leaders, especially in the mission-driven space, down to the true impact that we're trying to create and being able to weave that story together. Um, so I love that. I that, love that. that just, that makes me think, um, I mean, that totally resonates as true and probably what is happening when organizations or, or people in organizations are struggling to drive measurability to some of the goals that there's been a, a lack of clarity on how it's tied to meaning and tied to impact, right? The, the, the impact that the team has already agreed to, like, we're all here for this. Like, we're working towards this. If we somehow then layer in some goals that feel like they're out of sync with that that top impact we have, I think that's where that that tension is going to rise up. That's that's super helpful, Josh, to think about it in that context. Joe, I feel like when you first started at Mission Matters Group, you asked this provocative question of a lot of leaders, which I think ties into your story earlier on, right? So it's your first year and you're, you know, partly curious and partly asking a, a thought provoking question to organizations that we potentially can serve. You know, the question that I'm talking about, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, dive into that. Like, I, I feel like that's valuable, like just insight in terms of not that we have to be like robots to recap, you know, what success looks like for the year. But doing the mental gymnastics to understand that, I think, is is an example of focus. Um, I'd love to hear just kind of like why you asked that question, what it taught you, and how is it translated to the overall Six Levers framework? Yeah. Well, I loved asking that question because, and I think you can connect it to my opening story, um, when you have a clear and meaningful response to that, it's powerful, right? And I think it 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 informs how we might have partnered with those organizations. Um, it also brings a lot of clarity into understanding what the organization is all about, right? What, what's your focus for the year? How do you define success? Um, how will you define success for the year? Uh, what I did not anticipate was the regularity with which leaders would sort of fumble over the, the answer. Um, and, you know, oftentimes it was laced with some an abundance of context, um, change going on inside the organization. Uh, but I think one of the things that it triggered for us in the evolution of the framework was this idea of vitals and priorities, right? Um, because once we started to see the process that organizations would oftentimes go through when creating focus for the year, they'd sort of start from scratch every time. And you'd see the opening of the conversation sort of be, you know, well, people raising up some of these measures that really always matter, but they just haven't said they always matter yet. And so they're almost like rehashing year over year the measures that they should have agreed upon a long time ago to always measure, right? 
And so what we call those vitals, the handful of measures that, that always matter, that are always important indicators of, of success. Um, we call those vitals, that's where you start. You take a look at your vitals, you refresh them if there's anything that needs a little fine tuning based on your learning, and then you set targets around those. That serves as the foundation of focus for the year. Um, and then it's okay. If we're, if we're going to go after these targets this year and be focused around these, these measures that we say matter most, um, yes, the question, what else? Is there anything else that we want to bring focus to, bring resourcing to, prioritize, um, maybe because we want to grow the scope of services inside the organization or for whatever reason, there's oftentimes a, a pretty um, exciting response to the what else, right? Because people want to grow. We want to grow the mission and grow. And so that's where your annual priorities come in. So sort of what else do you want to prioritize? And let's create some focus in the form of some goals around those additional priorities. So I think it was in, in observing teams you know, try to answer that question and go through the goal setting process that we were able to get really clear about this sort of two part formula uh, when it comes to creating focus for the year. It's, it's your vitals and the targets you set for each one of those combined with the priorities you want to bring focus to for the year. Maybe one thing, just a, a little bit of a going off this kind of what focus for the year and how do teams drive it here. Um, one of the things that we see that's common as a common way of thinking when driving focus in particular for like a year um, is that teams think if they've got a vision, a three to five year vision, that the, the only thing that they can prioritize for a year are the things that are also in their three to five year vision. And, and this is also, I think, like when we think about some of the bad experiences we've had um, sometimes it's related to this because there's a three to five year vision that's sitting out there. And because we live in a dynamic, ever-changing world, so much has changed by the time it, it's time to set our annual priorities in the, in the context that Joe just uh, framed what they are. So, you, you know, there are a couple answers to that one, like you can, you can adjust your three to five year vision, right? So as things change around you, we encourage team in, the, in there in some core rhythms to, to look at those and make adjustments as they need to. But more than that, we would say like, you're not limited by the things that are there. So as you, as you bring focus to, to the increasingly um, nearer horizon, whether it's the annual or the quarterly, then um, you can be responsive to things that maybe you didn't plan for in the longer term horizon and just say, we know this matters for us as a team, as an organization, because of this thing that we need to respond to that's occurred. That's, you know, it could be huge stuff like COVID. It could be stuff that's just particular for your organization or your sector um, or your industry, right, that you need to be responsive to. Um, and related to this as well, in addition to like, we think of those as like two categories, one, like what, what do we want to make progress on our three to five year vision Two, what's emergent that's popped up that we weren't aware of that we want to bring into focus that we need to respond to. Um, and the other one would be like, when we think about how we operate as a team, our organizational operating system, what do we want to strengthen in this, whatever time horizon, what do we want to bring focus to? And when it comes to the way we work with each other, how can we highlight something there? And so we, we've found this way of, of thinking um, for a lot of people can be very liberating because it's, they don't, the cascading exercise is, is difficult, right? So much changes over time that perfectly connecting everything can feel really challenging. And it can order, sort of feel like you're defeated before you even start. 
um, certainly keeping those things as strong reference points and doing your best to say, this is my work here is connected to that over there. And this effort I have here, move that thing forward over there. Like that, that is good work. And we're, and we're, we definitely encourage that, but you don't have to be limited to that when you think about what you bring into focus at a certain time horizon. Man, that's really good. Um, yeah. One, one thing it's making me think of, I, I read a, um, this book about a year and a half ago, it's called the long view. And basically it's written by this futurist who thinks 20, 30, 40 years out and basically tries to predict different things that could happen. And he consults with huge organizations. I think he worked with like Exxon or these big like oil companies and everything. I think he works for Salesforce right now. But anyways, he his mindset was we need to think about these things super far out, uh, you know, really far out horizons, not because we want them to be true or think they're going to be true, but that some piece of all those different things could be true. And if that could be true, how are we going to respond to it? And how are we going to build up to that? And so I think that's where we get, or I, I personally get caught in that trap. It's like, we must hit this, you know, three years out. But no, if, if, if your world changes, it would be imprudent to hit that. You need to adapt to that, but you have to have a framework that dynamically allows you to adjust because it's built into your rhythm routine, because it's part of your focus. And you can make hard decisions, to Joe's point, have courage to stick to what is true now in the near-term horizon, but be ha- have the courage to adjust for things that change further out. Um, but yeah, that yeah, what you shared, Sean, was yeah, really, really good. I want to I want to flip the script on what you just said from like a more of like a provocative question, like an organization trying to get out of doing something. But like, right, you talked about a three year horizon and then having potentially having cascading things, right? Annual goals, quarterly goals based on this three year picture. So I'm assuming you're not saying this, but right. Do teams need to have a three-year vision before they should set annual goals or quarterly priorities, right? How do you respond to a question like that where an organization might not have a clear understanding of where they're trying to go, but do they need to make progress in the near term with annuals and quarterlies? I think the complete picture is ideal. So we, we might define the complete picture that can bring focus as one that can sort of zoom in and zoom out. If you think about like a camera lens, right? So like in an ideal world, you could connect um, your your three to five year vision or focus at the three to five year horizon to your one year focus to your 90 to 120 day focus. Ideally, that complete picture does form over time um, as the organization is is ready and has the capacity to, to bring focus at all three of those horizons. Um, and at the same, and and for the reasons we can imagine for this, um, you know, understanding of where are we trying to go longer term without trying to over cascade and, and get sick, (laughs) um, by the elevation change at times of trying to go back and forth. Um, the over cascading thing, as you know, is like a, an Uber pet peeve of mine and just that process um, and all the tools that are designed to only create cascading um, goals is, is pretty painful. But, you know, if you don't have the three-year focus and you start with annual goals, we've seen tons of teams do this where, you know, short term, they start there and 
they realize the benefits of it. They realize the impact of creating focus at that at that one year horizon um, and execute it for for a year before saying, "Hey, this was great. This really created focus for the year." I'm get this is what oftentimes actually happens. Then they say. Okay, what are our goals for this year? What are our, what do we want to prioritize on top of our vitals? And then and then the question comes up. Well, where do we want to be in 3 to 5 years? And so then this real organic process happens where they say, "Okay, well, let's actually I think we have the space now to zoom out and have a similar conversation about where do we want to be in 3 to 5 years and create some directional focus there as well and then go through their annual goal setting process with that new vision um in mind but i think that also speaks to the the power of kind of a, a more modular framework a, a framework that's driven by where can your te- where did where's your team drawn right now where are they finding energy is it because for some teams it might also start at the at the at a quarterly level like we can't see past the fire hose blasting water in our face we just need to create some focus for the next 90 days um and so they might go through that same process where quarter two of doing it they're asking themselves, well, it'd be helpful if we knew where we wanted to be at the end of the year to create quarterly focus. Maybe we should try to do that as well. Yeah. And I think, I think related to this, we've often talked about the importance of like the three-year horizon, which we, which we encourage more than the five-year horizon. We would, we would, we would certainly allow a team to do that for, if their reasons made sense for their, for their work. Um, but is to think of it as being more like directionally aligned, right? So it's, it's less about all the details of like all the things we want to accomplish and where we want to be and more about like, what is the picture of where we want to be in three years from, from a, from a handful of strategic objectives that we know we'll probably, we're going to have to adjust over time based on things changing in our world, but at least it gets some some alignment on where we where we want to be at that at that at that slightly longer term horizon that that becomes one way to bring focus to our to our annuals. Um, that being said, I totally would agree that so much of this is about momentum and like and what that what makes sense for an organization if if they're ready to jump into annual goals and do that in a more meaningful way than they have before. I certainly would, I don't think any of us would suggest, oh no, you can't do that. You first have to have your three year in place. We would say, hey, if there's momentum and desire and energy there, do that, right? And then when the time is right to then say, let's get clear on where we want to be in a, a longer time horizon. I think our, we would say from experience that will probably emerge um, as they as they bring more discipline and collaboration to that process. But you certainly do not have to have the, the three to five year horizon in place first. Yeah. What I appreciate about the intentionality and like the overall design of the framework and that, right, it's it's more about momentum, right? It's about small little habits over time will bring organizational health for the long haul. And I think that's sometimes what we get mixed up in with these like operating frameworks or different strategic planning processes. None of them are bad, right? They're all good. But we have to think about the long lasting effects, the residual effects of some of the things that we're implementing today. So what I appreciate about the way that you will all approach this and make it accessible, it's like, hey, if I want to get healthier as a person, maybe health or improvement or momentum for me is sleeping 15 minutes more a day. And that's it for the next quarter. 
and maybe I master that. And all of a sudden I start drinking, you know, a liter of water a day. You know, it's one of those things where I think, you know, we sometimes we're like, we have to do this all right now and be better in every area right now. But if we play the short game, we'll have short lasting results. But if we play the long game, we'll actually have enduring organizational health as opposed to momentary performance improvements. Yeah, Josh, that makes me think about this. You know, I think we've talked about this before on the pod um, is the um, connection between sustaining focus and and ultimately finding value in a, in a goal setting process, a prioritization process, or what we call a, you know focus setting process. The role of monitoring and and the impact of monitoring, meaning. When we say monitoring, we mean pulling those goals or priorities back up with your team. I'll look at and, and discern um, how are we doing against these goals? What progress are we making? Um, and, and, and looking at them in a formal and rigorous and meaningful way. When The moment you do that a handful of times in a row, you do it three weeks in a row, the goals start to be more meaningful to you. You'll find that you've probably revised a few. You'll find that you've created a few wins and you're feeling engaged by those wins. Um, you'll you'll find that you're going to have to deprioritize something that isn't going to get done anymore because you've got clarity of your goals. But that doesn't happen unless the team comes together and monitors them. And I'm talking about five, you know, five minutes, right, Sean, of pulling them up whether it's on track, off track, at risk, whatever status update you want to give to it, you go through that, you build the muscle memory around that, and you start to believe in the power of the focus, right? You start to, because you start to see the value that it brings. And, and ultimately, that's, that's what this is all about, right? It's about the purpose, the impact that, that it's supposed to bring to the team. And if all it does is at the end of the year, feels like it holds people accountable to something they set out for 90 or 360 days ago, well, what's that? What's what's the point, right? That's going to feel like the the cheapest end of quarter, end of year review um, you can imagine, because you know you didn't you didn't come together as a team to monitor it. So, just want to call out the yeah. that the moment you decide to lean in here at whatever horizon and whatever team, it really needs to come with the understanding and assumption that you're going to monitor this if you want to really see the value of it. Joe, this reminds me of something that we we see so often happen with teams when they when they do embrace this idea of focus and and a handful of priorities and a handful of vital targets, is that it it ends up fueling one collaboration, right? Because there's because they know that there's only a handful of things that they're working on, they become like much more hyper focused on the things that they need to work with each other on, right? And and then that in hand can then fuel innovation, right? Things that what's amazing about the process when you bring focus into it is like, we think there's things that we're going to achieve at, at the end of like we're saying 90, 90 days from now, a year from now, what will success look like? How will we know we've done this? What will be true? And then many times what happens is we accomplish so much more, right? Yeah. And it's not to say necessarily even that we, like whatever we measured it, it's always in the green and we got 120% every time. I'm not saying that, I think sometimes it may be like 60 or 70, but 
But then if we ask the question, well, what else happened as a result of our focus that we didn't even predict would happen, but because we were focused, it increased collaboration and innovation on the things that, you know, that just meandering path got us there, knowing the result we wanted to work towards, the impact we wanted to result for, end up achieving these wild results that are just so much fun to, for teams to look back on and, and like in a retrospective and say, look at all this awesome stuff that we accomplished together. Yeah, Sean, I yeah. love that. Yeah, um, Sean, I love that. The, um, the, I, can, I can think of specific teams where the, comp, the, the, the additional value point has everything to do with the cohesion and the relationships amongst the team because they did that, right? Because of what you described there, when they're coming together, they're being more disciplined together. They're being, you know, they're monitoring with meaning. They're, they're collaborating more. They wind up on the other side of the quarter of the year looking at each other differently, right? With a different sense of, you know, trust and relationship. And um, yeah, I love, I love bringing that. Some of those external, you know, sort of effects of, focus and sticking to it. That's great. One thing uh, that I was processing when you were talking, Sean, is that, right, again, I'll go back to, we use a, a framework called objectives and key results. So you write an objective and then you have more of a metric that you're tracking against. And one question or one framing that Sean will typically do is, did we achieve the intent of the objective? Right. Sometimes we're just putting a result or, or something um, empirical to track against that is an indicator of us achieving our overall outcome that we're trying to see in the world. And I think the fewer that you have, it allows you to have context on the things that you're setting so that you can actually answer the question that Sean asked at the end of the quarter of did we achieve the intent of this objective? even if we didn't hit the result. And so again, going back to that overall focus, we feel like we're making progress, right? We see what we're doing and we can adjust. We can have that cohesion. We can have a dialogue around it and not make it more of like a hammer. Like we didn't achieve this and we failed. It's no, let's actually have a, um, a thoughtful and intentional dialogue around this and figure out how we get a little bit better going forward um, in the next quarter. Yeah, Josh, I think so often like what I'm trying to do in that conversation, I think we all try and do this is, is to like hearken back to the the time, like what did we, in, not just what we intend, as soon as I say, what was the spirit of it as well? And what I'm trying to say there is like, we didn't, we had an idea, we had a hunch, we had some things that we knew we needed to focus on, but until we got into like actually doing the work, the level of clarity we needed, wasn't fully crystallized yet. Right. And so now it's become more crystallized as we've got into doing it together. And, and the question often becomes at the end that I think we all ask each other is like thinking back to that moment in the spirit of what we were trying to achieve and move forward here, it ended up looking a little different or maybe quite different, but did we meet the spirit of what we were trying to do here? And if we say, I mean, by the way, this isn't, I, some people might hear this and think, oh, Sean's kind of encouraging like shirking out of achieving the, the, the goals or whatever or letting yourself <laughs> off the hook and and i'm not trying to do that if you know me i'm a pretty achievement oriented driven person myself and so nothing else i'm trying to be kind to myself with questions like that um but um i, I think it's a it's a it's a healthy thing for teams to consider like it, did we things might look different than we imagined but did we meet the intent like josh is saying or the spirit of it that's great. 
All right. This is one of my favorite parts because I feel like I, I learn quite a few things in it. Um, one of the key levers of the six levers framework is momentum, right? We want to be progress even over perfection, right? We don't want to just have paralysis because we're trying to make everything perfect. And so uh, the last question for the two of you is what's some practical advice for an organization who has no focus or maybe knows that they need to work on their focus? You know, what would be that that next thing or that super tactical thing you would have them do um, if you could? I feel like I should go first so that Sean doesn't steal my answer. <laughs> but because I'm curious to know what Sean's answer is, I will let you have it and then force me to. Force me to I, I just learn. felt like a wave of, of, of uh, oh, yeah. you have to listen for a second. And then he's like, oh, you don't get to listen. You have to go. Um, <laughs> gotcha. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I mean, I feel like what, what anytime, where, where my head's at right now on this is the framework, the six level framework is big. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's meant to help you put a framework for the, all the ways of working in your whole organization, all the teams. And I think you could look at it if you start to understand it and listen to a number of these episodes and dive into our materials and content, you could feel like, oh, where, where do I start? Like, what do I do? Right. There's so much and how much of it do I have to implement for it to feel like it's beginning to make an impact and, and our organization is starting to transform. And I think what we know to be true is that if you can adopt um, a couple of things, it's going to, you're going to feel like a significant difference pretty, pretty early and pretty quick. And, and one of those things is exactly what we're talking about. It's just adopting um, the idea of, can I set some short-term priorities? So could I, could I, could we just align together and say for the next horizon, whether it's a year or a quarter, whatever we want to start, like what would be our three to four uh, big priorities to focus on? And by the way, you can do this if you're an, an it, this is not limited to an organization. If you're a team leader listening to this right now, like you can do this, right? And you don't need permission. Like you don't need anyone to say, there's a new way that we're working in our organization today. Just go do it. Just go show up the next day or whenever it's appropriate with your team and 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 say like, hey, I'd I'd like for us to to I have a conviction about why we need to be more focused. In order to do that, I'm wondering if maybe we could set a handful of priorities for the next quarter or maybe for the next month. However, you want to start doing that. And then I'd say the thing with that, which is so important, is bring in a monitoring rhythm, right? So monitor it somehow, whether it's in your weekly or biweekly, or if you're thinking quarterly and you've got a monthly, start somewhere. Right. So pick a pick a handful of priorities and then, and then agree to a way to monitor it as a team um, so that you cannot lose sight of it. Right. So that you don't bring focus to something and then you get to the end. You're like, oh, yeah, how did we do? Right. So the combination of pick a handful of things and agree to a monitoring rhythm that's a great place to start. So that's the right answer. And that's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> um, thank you for sharing that. So you get and you gave me you know, a good three minutes there to think about. So then what would be yeah, next? Give another one. Good. I think, so I think the next one is to carve out a handful of sessions for your, you and your team. Again, kind of to Sean's point, whether you're, you're a member of an executive team and you're trying, your, your scope is the entire organization or your, um, you know, what we'd refer to as a core team, a program, department, functional team, and go through an exercise where you where you answer the question, what are the handful of measures that define best indicate or define success year over year? Um, the answer to that question we would refer to, we would say, are your team's vitals? And it is 
it is a it's going to be messy and i say carve out a handful of sessions because you're gonna want to sleep on it you're gonna want to come back to it with new ideas and new thinking but if you carve out maybe three one hour sessions where you you lean into answering that question and then wherever you land you've got a good draft a meaningful draft right and try to set targets for it so so now try to say over the course of the next 12 months maybe nine months if your end of your your year is a little bit nearer than that and try to set a goal around it um and at the end of the year you'll have a better understanding of how successful you were and you'll be all the more prepared to go through a goal setting process um for that year ahead create some vitals know your vitals people well i'm just going to say know, know your know your vitals joe totally agree with that um the other thing i would say from a little bit more of an intangible for the leader is be encouraging like when you're starting this process because it's going to feel messy like we talked about you may even get to the end like if you if you if you picked some vitals or priorities and started monitoring them you get to the end of the period and then you might feel like yeah we only accomplished 25% this first time around it's going to con- continue to get better so if you're a leader who's um sponsoring or 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 being the champion of this to roll it out just continue to bring some encouragement and positivity knowing that um, it's going to take time to, to get better, but you're going to see that incremental improvement uh, as you, as you keep at it. That's good stuff. All right. Well, if you'd like to learn more um, about the six levers framework, everything that we have going on, you want to dive deeper into our content, check out sixlevers.co. And if you were up for a little bit uh, more introduction and just uh, uh, an overall overview of the six levers framework check out the uh, navigator sprint uh coming up and thanks so much for listening oh one more thing you can we'd love it if you'd give us a review of this As podcast they... help, help more people see it <laughs> what do they say on youtube smash the smash subscribe. i don't think you can smash a review but um but maybe maybe people can figure out how to smash a review smash yeah. the five star rating and and also please give us a review so more people can find this this podcast Just Adios. Job for you, Josh. I know. Thanks. <laughs> it's not the first time you've done my job for me. 